and welcome to Better Done Than Perfect, a podcast for SaaS founders and product people. Today, our special guest is Nicole Kao, a content strategist and a marketing wizard, works with B2B companies, and we're going to talk about SaaS content strategy today. This show is brought to you by Userlist, the best way for SaaS founders to send onboarding emails, segment your users based on events, and see where your customers get stuck in the product. Start your free trial today at userlist.com. Hey, Nicole. Hiya. We're so excited to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. It's a really great opportunity. Before we get started, uh, tell us more about what you actually do and uh, what your background story is. Okay, cool. So essentially, I write content and create content strategies for B2B companies. I started five or six years ago now at a travel tech company. And yeah, I focused on creating content for uh, tour and activity businesses. And I spent five years doing that. And I got to know a lot about the business. I learned all the different ways you can create content for companies. So not just... um, for generating leads, but also, you know, how do you retain customers with your content? How do you educate your customers with your content so that they can do more with your product um, and really get, you know, the money's worth. And right now I do the same thing, but for, you know, other other companies as well. And I think we'll talk about a couple of them as well in, in a bit. So yeah, I'll just leave it at that. So what do you feel are the primary challenges that SaaS companies face when it comes to figuring out their content and it's not just seo content that's based like on the keywords and that's more you know i feel sometimes it's more mechanical but Mm -hmm. the actual content that will be useful that will convert and that will help them oh exactly what you said like convert retain engage educate all that Mm -hmm. great stuff but it's not easy like what are the challenges so I think at least with, you know, the companies that I've worked with, I think the biggest challenge is they just don't really know who their audience is and what their audiences would be interested in. So sometimes they do have a really good understanding. For example, one client, they market to university career departments, but they were writing kind of content that was for students, like for university students instead. And that was a bit strange to me. Why would you, you know, you can obviously see them mismatch, right? Like, why would you write content for students when you're actually targeting career departments in universities. Yeah, so I think there's a mismatch. And where I come in is really to help them figure out what they should write about. And then I go away and do my little research. That mostly involves stalking people on LinkedIn, looking at the groups that they follow, the topics they follow, what they've posted. And, you know, obviously with public profiles, not not the private ones, and really understanding, you know, what do these people in these industries search for? What do they read? What kind of content do they consume? And then I go back to the client and I tell them, this is what you should be writing about. Yeah. And then most of the time we agree on the topic and then that's where I also start writing for them. So I think the the part that where I hope I bring the most value is that research piece and also helping my clients understand what really resonates with their their audiences and what would really get eyeballs on their products. In our pre-recording chat, you mentioned some of those success stories where <laughs> you would nail great numbers for, for your content. Uh, you would attract lots of eyeballs, but those would not the right kind of eyeballs. Like we all strive for big numbers, but that's not always what we need. What was yeah. the pitfall there? 
One of the things we used to do at my old company, uh, we wrote annual reports around, you know, annual trend reports for the industry. And um, we want the early ones to begin content marketing, but also um, we want the first few people to kind of aggregate all these industry statistics into one long blog post. Within a couple of months, it did really well. And then we decided to kind of keep doing that every year. And yeah, so like traffic for those blog posts and similar blog posts. So a lot of data-driven statistics and reports, those did really well, but yeah, we just ended up attracting the wrong people, right? People that we could not sell to. And I think the biggest pitfall really was just chasing the numbers or like wanting to be mentioned in all these different publications or be mentioned in industry publications. And while that's really good visibility, and again, like that depends on your company's goals. But if you're really focusing on lead generation, chances are, you know, you're not going to be able to sell to all 120,000 views of your website or on the blog post. You're probably only going to sell to one or 2% of them. And I feel like we we ended up wasting a lot of time um, writing those blog posts, although they were really good for our brand. It wasn't good in terms of like translating our work into money and dollars and cents, right? And into the bottom line, because we weren't really generating the right sort of leads for our company. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. What would be the counter example when it didn't attract as many, you know, visits, mm-hmm. or other stats, but that converted really well? Another client that I worked with, they do booking systems for pharmacies. And obviously, how do you make content for pharmacists? And like, how do you make content for a booking system that supports pharmacies, you know, with our current climate, with COVID, there's a lot to write about actually in terms of how do you set up your pharmacy online so that you can take online bookings? How do you set up your pharmacy like in store so that, you know, there's social distancing? How do you manage capacity? There's actually a lot to write about. And I think those pieces of content ended up being really good sales enablement materials. The sales guys would talk to the clients and then they'd send over a post and be like, hey, you know, this is where our software can come in to help you solve your problem. Um, you know, this is this is probably what you're facing. This is where we can support you. So I, I think the really good blog posts are the ones that really speak to the customer's problem or the audience's problem. And also it's the one where sales guys are like, we're going to use this and forward it to people because it shows that we understand what they're going through. Tell us more about your research because that feels like the best way to find topics to write about as Mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, sitting in the vacuum and trying to come up with some ideas. So what is your typical process? Usually when I, when I work with clients, they know their audiences the best. My questions is always, you know, what, what have you tried? Where do your audiences live? If we really don't know, I usually always go to LinkedIn. Those few people who are most engaged with your business page or who like the stuff that your founder posts, and are in similar industries or are your target audiences, they're usually the ones I kind of end up looking up. Um, I find out where they work, what positions they're in, what kind of, like I mentioned, like what kind of groups they join. Um, And for there, that's where you start building. If you were like a paid ads person, for example, you'd start building your audience, right? You'd start kind of figuring out what other things would be interesting to them and then making a list of different topics or different themes that they might be interested in. And then you go to other parts of, the World Wide Web to learn more about these guys. So for example, Reddit is a great place. Quora is a great place. I think where you can find a lot of people talking to one another is a good place because then you can see how people talk to each other, what kind of language they use, what terminologies, what 
what's the lingo, right, of the industry? That's my next step. So for another client, Code Submit, they basically target a lot of very technical people, a lot of engineers, software developers. I'm not of a technical background, so I ended up listening to also podcasts, you know, around building things, develop products. And again, learning that lingo, learning how people talk, learning what's on people's minds in that moment. So that's kind of my research process. It's very, I don't have a, I have a method, I would say, but I always, but LinkedIn is my first point of call always. And then it's finding out how people talk and finding out what themes are relevant to them and then mimicking that in my writing. I love this. I wish uh, wish more people did it. Basically, not find, not not trying to find you know the wisdom within, but rather outside. You know, in in, mm. in the wild. <laughs> You've been in the industry for ages, and what uh, do you feel are the mistakes that you've been making in the beginning that you are avoiding these days? Like, where have you gotten wiser? I think I used to think my performance was based on how many views I got at the end of the month. And that would either mean I write a lot of blog posts, all poor quality. Well, actually, no, that's what I did. So I just ended up writing <laughs> a lot of poor quality blog posts because I thought, you know, the more I put out, the more my numbers would go up. Obviously, that wasn't the case. Um, it took me a while to realize it's actually the long form, well thought out content, well researched content that stands out that people actually find useful. Oh, man, I used to take the same blog post and just change it for different verticals. It's terrible, terrible. I don't know why like I was allowed to do that. But <laughs> yeah, I used to do that and I just wasted so much time, I think. I think if I had known that it's about the quality, not quantity, I would have definitely shifted my focus a lot earlier. And I think the other mistake is just thinking that anyone can write. It's true anyone can write, but like to write well, I actually did a lot of homework. So like, you know, I, I read books on how to write. I listen to people, I, I listen to podcasts about writing and, and I really kind of like craft, honed my craft in that aspect. And again, like I wish that I had paid more attention to how, how I write, how I structure my, my blog posts, my articles, instead of a typical like, here are 10 ways to do X, Y, Z, you know, one, two, three, four, five, getting creative. Yeah, just creating content that is engaging and exciting and that takes time. I wish younger Nicole had learned that earlier on. <laughs> oh, I love that you touched on the article structure and that mm. we all do like this uh, generic pieces, like five ways to increase X, <laughs> you know, metric yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Any recipes that are a bit more intricate that we could uh, start applying? Never publish your first draft. I used to do that as well all the time. I think there's a rush, like after you've written an article, you're just like, okay, I'm done. I just, I just don't want to think about it anymore. And then you click publish. But I think now, you know, I give myself at least another day to just sit with the content and I go back to it after like maybe a couple of hours away or a good night's rest. I go back to the content and then I realize sometimes if I just, you know, shift paragraph three up top, um, move things around a little bit, things just flow better or the message is clearer. I think editing is very important. So always, always spend time editing as well. Like give yourself time to edit. And then obviously like when it comes to all the like, meta descriptions and the titles. I think those things are also really important. Again, I used to just whiz through them and not think too much. But nowadays, I, I definitely spend more time, you know, on my meta descriptions, making sure it really encapsulates like, oh gosh, the essence of the blog post. And also, you know, writing a title. Sometimes it's it's so hard not to write a clickbaity one, but it's about that balance, right? Like that clickbaitiness, but also think 
something that actually reflects the content and is actually going to draw your intended audience to read it. Do you have any formulas for headlines that you particularly like? Oh, no. Unfortunately, no. I just try to stick within the word count. I think I kind of like look it up um, every now and then, like what's the ideal like number of characters for a headline. That's the only thing I stick to. And then I don't really have a formula, unfortunately. But I try not no. to use too many words. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned those uh, books on writing and uh, other resources and how that teach you how to write better. Any favorites mm-hmm. there that our listeners could tune into? So I think the two books that I really like is On Writing Well by William Zinsser, Z-I-N-S-S-E-R. This guy writes about writing and it's, I think it's, you know, if you're whatever kind of writing, he just has really good advice. Yeah. So it's, I mean, for all writers, but I think as a, as a content, you know, writer for the internet, for business people, it's also very useful. Mostly it's, you know, stop waffling, get to the point, be clear something I'm not very good at when I'm talking IRL. And the other one that I really like is Don't Make Me Think by Steve Crook. I think this is a lot of people's Bible. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, yeah, everyone's Bible. I just, every time, you know, I'm stuck writing for the web, I go back to this book. But it's just, you know, it just has timeless advice, I think. So those two are kind of my go-to, like, workbooks. And I think the other thing that I do as well, just to kind of keep the act of writing or the task of writing exciting is um I just listen to you know a lot of interviews with writers that I like so you know I love listening to Elizabeth Gilbert talk about her writing process and Patchett is a lovely writer and just listening to them get excited about what they're writing about also gets me excited about what I'm writing about oh and also what are they called animals with a z they're, yeah, I think they're a content agency as well, based out of New York, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong. But yeah, they, they write really good articles about writing as well. And they also have podcasts and the occasional webinars. And when time zones permit, uh, I join. Uh, and they always have good advice. I'm, I never regret joining a webinar or listening to a podcast or reading anything from them. It's very good content. It actually came up in a conversation with one of our previous guests uh, here, oh. here in Thai, which is pretty fascinating uh, mm-hmm. given that these are like two episodes in a row so we're gonna <laughs> link to them and, uh, any yeah. other any other agencies or companies out there who you think are killing it with content especially if they like target a specifically boring or like complicated <laughs> audience i would love some examples i always find asana's content and intercom's content quite interesting i mean asana is at the end of the day like project management software you know, again, like how exciting can that be? But they've taken a really interesting angle, right? They talk a lot about collaboration and work culture instead. And then you have Intercom that I've never read such poetic, like product shipping updates. (laughs) I can't remember which one I read about. I think they they wrote, it was a long time ago and it was one of the features they had released. And I was just like, it's a small thing, but I'm so like willing to try it out now. This This is such good writing. I know that they also have like proper not proper, but they hire like people with journalism backgrounds and things like that. So I think that's where like the creative flair comes in. Um, and so there are content also I find pretty engaging. Yeah, that's what I aspire to be and try to do better every day. <laughs> you mentioned that content, it's not just for converting people into customers, but also about retaining them and mm-hmm. educating them and particularly inspiring tips or examples in that regard. What made me 
consider that or like think about it was just when we we got, we got so many questions about like you know how to do xyz like it would be like simple things and i'd be like this is one of our key features how do you not know how to do this and then that caught me like thinking huh maybe we should actually educate our customers a bit more like spend more time focusing on that um so i did work with like you know my customer success team to run webinars to polish up the support pages i think that's very important sometimes it's written once and then it's never edited again although the feature has been updated many times it just you know people just forget right people are busy so updating those support pages but also in your blog posts right when you talk about maybe bottom of funnel blog posts you're talking about a specific pain point if you manage to slip your product in there like mention your product talk about how that actually works with your product you don't have to necessarily go go here click on this but you could do something like oh with you know this product we are able to simplify this whole process in three steps or something like that and it's as simple as clicking this clicking this clicking this done maybe add a gift to it or add a short video that's how i always try to also include my customers when i'm writing content because they've paid so much money for your product right like you want them to get the most out of it and you want them to come back to you as well yeah it's definitely just wanting them to get more value for their money and making it as easy and accessible for them to learn about you know whatever i'm trying to sell to them <laughs> If you could name top three of your favorite posts that you've written, like over the lifetime, what would those be? We're going to maybe link to them in the show notes oh. that did real well, maybe converted specifically well, or you were just like simply proud of. I think the first one would be grow your content marketing as a team of one. I think that was a very personal piece. Well, I'm talking like I'm Elizabeth Gilbert, but it was very personal because I was at my old job. I was literally the only person uh, managing the content marketing, no, actually managing marketing and communications for the entire company. And it was very stressful. And then I went freelance and I thought life would be better. But then I realized <laughs> I was doing the same thing. <laughs> so I wrote, you know, I just wrote all the stuff that I wish someone had told me into a blog post and it was published on Medium. And sometimes, you know, Medium publications are quite picky. And I got it published on a Medium publication. I was so proud of myself. So yeah, I, it's called Grow Your Content Marketing as a Team of One. I think the other one that I really enjoyed writing was the evolution of developer salaries, looking back 20 years. So that was just a, a spin on developer salaries. Everyone wants to know how much everyone's earning today. But if you look back and 20 years, I managed to find data from the American Bureau of Labor and Statistics, something like that. And yeah, I was able to just get, you know, a lot of information, had to work my Excel spreadsheet magic a little bit to, you know, not get nice graphs. But it was interesting to see, right, like the demand for software engineers has really gone up and, you know, salaries reflect that. And I think the other one would be developer burnout, why it happens and what we can do about it. I think just burnout in general has been a very important topic, especially, you know, now. And it's something that I kind of, you know, when I talk to people or talk to friends, I'm like, I think you might be burnt out. Go have a look at this article. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I, I, yeah, I, I quite like these, these articles. They're not very technical, I would say, but yeah, it's stuff that I, I'm personally part of. It looks like uh, the, these last two are for code submit. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Shout out yeah, to Tracy been, and Dom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've been really killing it with these uh, creative topics that are focused on the industry, but not specifically on their craft. So that great job there. Kudos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As we're wrapping up today's episode, one do and one don't for our listeners who are deciding 
what to write about next. Oh, I have so many. Okay, I think maybe we start with the don't. I think don't spend less than one hour on research. Like I would say at least two hours or three hours on researching the topic that you want to write. Don't skimp on that. Don't cut corners. People can tell if you're making stuff up. You know, you, you really have to do the work. And I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> um, and then in terms of a do, I would say definitely take time to not just research the topic, but the, the your audience, right? Every time you think you know them well enough, just speak to your customer success manager or person, speak to your salesperson, drop in on a Reddit conversation if you, you know, if your audience is there. You always learn something new and it's always something maybe you could include in your, your, your next piece of writing. And I think the other thing is definitely edit, like edit, 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 edit so much. Again, you can't cut corners. Your first job is never done. So definitely also edit and edit again. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. Good luck with your future deeds and hope 2022 is a blast for you and the industry in general. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was, uh, yeah, it's, this, is, this is an interesting experience. It's been really nice to talk to you and just kind of share what I've learned so far as well. If our listeners want to, you know, hear more from you, what's the best place uh, to find your work and your doings online? I have a website, uh, just www.nicolecow.com. That's K-O-W.com. Yeah, that's, that's where I publish most of my writings or at least link to it. Yeah. Come hit me up, drop me an email. My contact details are there as well. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Nicole. And have a wonderful new year. Thank you. You too. See Bye-bye. you soon. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you found the episode useful, please spread the word about this new show on Twitter, mentioning Userlist, or leave us a review on iTunes.